White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 676. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye bye, Bo! Hello and welcome to AU Wishbone, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment and by people like you. The Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family, our Patreon.com. <laughs> just as we get <laughs> just as we get going with the show, John's dad is calling me. <laughs> I, it's the other line to be on the show, sir. You call into the other number to be in, added into the queue and talk to our screener. Oh, by the way, our screener, our our screener is here. You can see, yes, our our official call screener is here. Nobody's getting by him. No, he's he's he got the trip in the in the luxury box from uh, Atlanta from Auburn all the way up to St. Louis a couple of weeks ago, and he is now ready to answer calls. So our world traveler Boris, AU Tiger. You'll be ta- you'll be screen calls over here on the side, um, but as I was saying, I am Van Allen Plexico. I don't. I think I was stopped somewhere in that neighborhood, right? And I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, uh, we hired a coach, and then it, after that, it gets kind of funky. Before that, it gets kind of funky, and after that, it gets kind of funky. Continued forecast of funkiness. <laughs> well, and I want to make a I want to make a brief announcement before we begin. This is breaking news. I have signed the offer sheet for the 10-year continuation of the podcast. Go! As requested by many. You signed it or have you just agreed to it in principle? No, no. No, I want to be clarify my language. I have signed it and and Vans people and my people have reviewed the document. It's formal. We've agreed to a a 10-year extension (laughs) of of me being on the podcast. And I wanted to say that before I say whatever else I'm going to say on the podcast tonight. All right. All right, so you're with us. <laughs> you have re-upped because Boris was really hoping that maybe he could get that spot, that coveted second chair spot over there. So, um, you know, he, he figured that that was our pecking order was like us, him, Jared, in that order, basically. <laughs> so, you know. Um, all right, well, that's good to know. So, all right, well, we've got several things to talk about. we got to talk about the coaching situation. I know people want to talk about that. We got to talk about the Iron Bowl. I was just telling my wife, it feels like that Iron Bowl was played three years ago now. It's crazy. We got to talk about Lane Kiffin. We got to talk about other things to do with that. We got the basketball game has played a couple of games in the last few days. They're very exciting. They won a tournament. All right, we'll talk about that. Uh, we've got to give updates on the college football pick'em. And uh, we probably got to guess the game we can squeeze in there. And a look at last week's games and this upcoming, if there are any upcoming games, I guess Army-Navy's like the big one always coming up. So, so where are <laughs> get that spot before Boris? <laughs> it's true, Andy. Yours, Andy's, our, Andy's the co-host of the Babylon 5 show, so there we go. Good deal. Um, 
So anyway, let's uh, let's get to it. Where do we go first, John? All right. This is so. This is what we're gonna do. In one minute or less, how do you feel about the the hire a few freeze? Then we're gonna talk about the process that let, you know the coaching search process, including the the Lane Kiffin stuff. And then we're gonna talk about in depth about Hugh Freeze. That's the plan here. So one minute or less, Van. How did you feel when you heard the news today? I actually went out and got a sound clip to kind of lay out my position in all of this, and I will play it now. Must you be so extreme, Dr. Franklin? I'm an extreme moderate, Mr. Rutledge. I believe anybody not in favor of moderation and compromise ought to be castrated. There you go. That's my position. I'm an extreme that you, moderate. You're pro-castration for moderates? You're <laughs> extremist. I, I, um. <laughs> Anybody who's not in favor of moderation should be castrated, is what he said there. No, I just, I like that he says I'm extreme moderate. I have very strong opinions, and my very strong opinions are very moderate right now. So I'm, I, I think that what that does is very good for our show, John, because it puts me in the position that I can just kind of be the referee, the ringmaster, and let everybody get off their chest, whatever they want to, because I honestly, I don't want to kill anybody, I don't want to kiss anybody. I'm just you don't like have strong feelings. No, in the direction. my reaction is okay. That's my reaction. Uh, okay. Oh, that, I, I, got, I have one. I have one. The 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 strongest feeling that I have right now is depression that we just got the Auburn family out of a dark pit of despair into a happy joy area, and now I am witnessing the Auburn family dragging themselves back down into another pit of darkness and despair. And the and the reply I will get, to be fair, the reply I will be I will get is we're not dragging ourselves, we're being dragged because of decisions that were made, and to which I say that's entirely up to each person to react. You 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 don't have to be overjoyed about this, and you don't have to be in a pit of despair over this. It is your choice, each one of you, it is your choice how to react to it. Okay, I've made my choice, and this is it. So, so I'm just sad to see so many others making the decision to be miserable. And again, they're going to say, we're not making that decision. It's being forced on us. I understand that position. I do. I really understand it. But that doesn't mean that's where I am. Okay, so. Must you be so extreme, Dr. Franklin? I'm an extreme moderate. There you go. Fire away. I, I'll, I'm saving the long version, but because it's coming. Um, I was very disappointed in Auburn's decision to hire Hugh Freeze. I have expressed on this show before I was not in support of him as a candidate. Uh, I don't think we were bidding. If he was such a good coach, as such a good candidate, where was the competition? Where were the other schools over the last couple of years that were reaching out to hire him? There weren't any. It was just us. We were bidding against ourselves. There was no rush. There was no pressure. There was no competition. There were plenty of other people who Auburn could have hired to be the football coach who don't bring the same baggage that Hugh Free does and the same problems that I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to talk about the football stuff, the on-the-field stuff, and I'm going to talk about the off-the-field stuff. I'm going to talk about all that. Uh, this is So that's my opinion. I was disappointed in Auburn, uh, in Cohen and President Roberts, that they made this decision because I feel like there were other candidates – that were available that could do the same or more as freeze without all the crap. Well, let me ask you that, if I can, real quick. 
where else could we have gone? I, I, because I honestly feel like, I honestly feel like they had two two choices, and both kind of ended up being mistakes in a way. So let's let's hold that thought for one minute, and let's talk through the process thing because I think we're going to get to a place where that because here's what happened. We've talked about this a lot. There's good process, and you can get bad or good result, and there's bad process. We can get good result, which means basically you got lucky, or there's bad process that resulted in bad result. This was bad process by Auburn, okay? And that's what I want to talk about. It. So let's talk. Let's go straight into the search part now because that's what you want to talk about. So we, we so let's table talking about Carnell and the, and the job he did till we get to the Iron Bowl part, okay? Right? Because okay. we definitely got to spend a few minutes talking about that. So I'm. If you're interested in a lot more of this, one of my suggestions is you should subscribe to be a patron on another show, the Split Zone Duo podcast. They spent about a half hour last night breaking down the Auburn hiring search. Hiring search, and this is the deal: Kiffin was the hire. Yes, he has been the he has been the hire for four weeks. It was in the bag. It was done. It was a done deal. Locks loaded, delivered. They were talking about staff and vision. It was done Mm -hmm. to the point it was done that they did not have a plan beyond Kiffin. The only plan was, well, if we have to, in an emergency, we'll break glass and, and hire Hugh Freeze. That was the backup plan. But it was it wasn't like they were weighing those two. It was we're hiring Kiffin. And if everything goes to crap at the last minute, we'll have freeze in the bag. Okay? Because again, they're not worried about some other school hiring freeze away. So it was all Kiffin all the time. Kiffin backed out Friday morning after the egg bowl. That's when the decision was made. He said he wouldn't come. The only fallback plan they had was Hugh Freeze. Over the last few weeks, they did talk to some other candidates. They called Luke Fickle and had a conversation with him, but he was not coming to Auburn. So the bad process part is, again, putting all their eggs in one basket and knowing that, you know, Kiffin could say no, that it was possible. That Kiffin, now, Kiffin, now, some of this is on Kiffin. Yes. He, was, he is a mercurial person. Yes. And he, in this process, we were dealing with someone who's mercurial and who's kind of, you know, a little bit immature. And when you're dealing with that kind of person, maybe you should have a better backup plan. Right. Okay. 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 A, absolutely correct. B, all of this just makes me glad we didn't hire him. I he's a 14-year-old and I didn't I was not always comfortable with handing the keys to our hundreds of millions of dollar football program to a 14-year-old. Oh, oh boy, I got some things to say later about that. I think he's way more mature than the person we hired. Way. So, I think to go back to the process thing, I think they had an internal deadline of today. That we had talked about this, the the recruiting is coming, portal's coming. You need to get a coach hired so they can hire a staff and deal with the recruits and deal with the portal uh, players. They had a deadline of today. They got out of this freeze thing and came home Saturday night after the game, and they were talking to other people and looking around, and it was, eh, what can we do? And sometime last night this morning, they made the decision to just hire freeze. Well, um, but like you say, uh, Kiffin kind of all over the place. So I don't, I, the you know the number one reason that I wanted to hire him by Friday or Saturday was just because I didn't want to look stupid after all this in front of the Ole Miss people, and that's not a reason to hire your coach. No, we and it was funny. Everybody thought, oh, having the Egg Bowl on Thursday is an advantage for us and all that. And we said that 
No, it was a big disadvantage because Auburn was not going again. This language that we'll use in this podcast to be clear offer. Okay. In college football, the only person that gets an offer is the person you actually hire. The only person Auburn offered was Hugh Freeze. But we offered the job to Lane Kiffin, and he walked away from it. Okay, But he walked away from it. He had been saying yes for four weeks. And then on Friday, he changed his mind and said, no, I'm not coming, and started talking to Ole Miss about the extension. That was where it went, and – so this is the other part, too. I, I think they should have had more candidates uh, knowing who they're dealing with. They should have been talking to more people and, and interviewed more candidates and had more options. But they didn't, and I think there was a bunch of this pressure. Uh, oh, we got to get a sitting head coach. We got to do what LSU and you know Southern Cal did. And I think some of that led to this. I'm convinced that somebody went to Lane Kiffin Thursday night, Friday morning, somewhere in there, and said to him, you are in the line to be Saban's replacement at Alabama, and the only way you can guarantee to not ever get that job is if you're the Auburn coach. Yeah, I thought about that. And and whether that's true or not, somebody could have said that to him. Well, that's what I mean. I think somebody said it. I have no idea if it's true or not. But I think that that's the one guaranteed way to keep him from coming to Auburn was to tell him, if you do this, you'll never be the Alabama coach. Because that's, right. that's the job that suddenly you think his family doesn't want to leave Oxford or whatever. They'll suddenly want to leave to Tuscaloosa in a hurry all of a sudden. There, there won't be any of this soul-searching and, oh, you know, hand-wringing and whatever, man. They'll be like, Lane, would you like to come to ah? And they'll, he'll be already moved into his house before they go, look, it'll be done. Um, so... All right. Well, I mean, the, the other big thing about the process piece, which okay. was which is important, which you talked about a minute ago, is we went from Harson, where there was no alignment and there was a bunch of fan apathy and people were tuning out and stuff, to Cadillac, where everybody was in, the stadium was crazy, there was a bunch of fan enthusiasm, to this. And I think there was a moment. Again, I really do believe that if they could have gotten Kiffin. At that moment, I really do think they could have built something behind him and, and brought it home in a way where everybody was on board with it. And, you know, we fumbled the ball at the goal line, and now here we are. There's no alignment. You know, maybe Freeze is in good with some of the good old boys. I'm sure he is, and that'll help him on that side. But there's a whole bunch of Auburn fans who are mad. And I'm just going to make one point here. that two, About five years ago, Tennessee tried to hire Greg Schiano, and the fans went nuclear. And they had to let his ass go before he ever started. And I'm just telling you, this the backlash against the freeze hire ain't even started yet. So Alabama, when they tried to sign Saban, was told over and over, no, 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 no. And they never quit. And they got him to yes. Could we have done that? Could we have gotten did we did we not go far enough, do you think? I mean, I know that we don't know, but I'm just saying. Did we back away politely when we should have kicked his door in and <laughs> and said drag? Well, but I I think it's the, I think it's the it's the kind of thing where it was like there was too much time and too much smoke yeah. before the egg bowl. What you I'm just going to point out Wisconsin. Yeah. Did you hear any of that crap with them? No, no. They were the midnight ninja assassin, and they got mm-hmm. Luke Fickle, and nobody ever knew crap about it. Mm-hmm. We didn't do it that way. There was a whole bunch of not you know again not as bad as some of the other coaching searches, but a bunch of 
smoke ahead of time, and boom, here we are. But what could we have uh, done differently, though? I mean, he had a he had the big rivalry game coming up. What we had to get him out of there quick before they were able to do all this. But what? How do you do that? You well, abduct I mean, I, him. Part of it is I think there was him? a bunch of leaks on our side about Kiffin being a strong candidate. Okay, they were so confident there was a bunch of kind of hey things are looking really good with Kiffin noise coming out of the building, and they should have locked that crap down even more. I think that's the other way. Now some of that's mm. on him probably too, but all right. Well, I don't remember what my earlier. Um, argument was, but I'm sure it wasn't important. Well, your earlier thing was just about other candidates and could we have gotten who else was out there that we could have gotten? Oh, well, I mean, I think that, yeah, I think that we were 100% on Kiffin and 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 Freeze was like, well, there's always Hugh Freeze if something should happen, but nothing's going to happen, of course. And then when, when that ended up not happening, it suddenly started turning into the Harson hire again, where we're going, what about this guy? Well, what about this guy? Well, what about this guy? You know, And when that starts happening, you're in deep trouble. But did they even seriously make any effort at um, the people that were being talked about the last 48 hours? I mean, did they really talk to James Franklin? Did they really talk to Fickle, really? Did they really... Dan again, Lanning they talked to Frickle people? and he said no right but I mean we were talking about Dan Lanning for weeks we were talking about James Franklin I, seriously the last 48 hours you know I mean I don't love James Franklin but he's a he's a dang good coach he put Vanderbilt in bowl games in back to back years I mean given the, again I've expressed my feelings given my choices I would have taken Franklin um, yeah I'm just wondering did we make any effort along those lines and I wonder, did uh, this is the other question? Did we, again, because we rushed, we were so locked into Kiffin and didn't get ourselves enough time on the back end, did we not allow time to vet these other candidates and get all the way through the process with them before today, before they had to say yes? And I, again, I never heard anything about landing in a, other than fan interest. Um, so when I mentioned James Franklin earlier today, somebody on Twitter came back and said, well, what about all of his issues at Vanderbilt and scandals? And I'm just like, what now? And I went and looked it up and I'm like, okay, if we're going to just start ruling out everybody that's got some kind of issue in their background, we're going to have a hard time finding a coach. Seriously. I mean, well, I, there's I, not I, many I, left. I hear you, but there's like, when you say issues, there's issues and issues. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I, you know, um, I think they talked to a couple other people, you know, I, I, I would have been, there was a point today, you know, this morning before this broke, when I was coming back around to your original, this is who we should hire. Jeff Grimes. I was, I was back there. <laughs> you, you and I and our faithful viewers here and listeners understood that Jeff Grimes was probably not a bad idea, but to quote Gandhi, but out there, <laughs> Those people would thought that would be the most boring, boring, boring hire ever. They thought that was Harson level, put me to sleep, wake me up when it's over hire. And I feel like they when they got so in love with Kiffin, they got in love with the idea of making a ta-da hire. And he is not that. He is not that. They needed somebody that people would go, whoa, well, you know what? They succeeded. <laughs> they, they, they succeeded. Say what you will. They succeeded. I, I've always called him Gus Malzahn with a passing tree. That's probably a little harsh, but... Uh, mm, I, I don't... I, 
I think that's very reasonable. In terms of his SEC success, it's very comparable. And I'm, again, we're, let's move into the talking about Hugh Freeze now. Because this is the way you, this is you. Oh, what, goody. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but you, what did you, again, when he was at Ole Miss, what did you like about him as a coach? What excited you about him? Uh, that he listened to Sandra Bullock when he had to. I, don't I mean, think that really happened. <laughs> but you, but you all have to go back and watch the Blind Side now. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, um, like here's a although th- when you watch it, I want you to know that like recently Michael Orr was married and none of those people were at his wedding. They were not invited. <laughs> wow. Which people? The what you call them's the Ole Miss people. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Uh, again. I see Josh's comment. I'm going to walk through uh, the stuff I'm going to say tonight is not opinion. I'm going to cite things that were cited in, in documented sources and in the NCAA documents and other places. I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you this is how I you know I heard this from somebody about these things. I'm going to tell you. Uh, so, um, well, so what am I? How do I feel about Hugh Freeze? I think that he's a much better quarterback developer than we've had in. I'm having to think back now. Uh, a while, <laughs> Mazzoni, maybe Petrino, probably Petrino. Uh, I think Al Borges would be stretching it, so I will go. Petrino was the last really uh, quarterback developer we had before Freeze. Um, I think that he does incorporate some of Gus Malzahn's approach, but with a lot more sophisticated passing game, and that's good. I know he doesn't. Um, well, I don't know. I've gotten I've gotten differing views on him as far as recruiting goes. Some people say he's a really good recruiter. Others say he doesn't like to recruit. Well, they, they I, say, again, I, I'm going to talk about the recruiting part. He he delivered some recruiting classes at Ole Miss. Now again, yeah. he got he got them in trouble with NCA for well, delivering recruiting classes. That's Ole not Miss, a problem anymore. Well, again, they don't like they don't look anymore. But I'm just telling you, he delivered recruiting classes at Ole Miss. Uh, but the other, this is the other thing I, I want to throw this out there before I, I start on my rant to talking about stuff is he beat uh, he, he beat Alabama um, twice back to back twice okay the second time he beat Alabama the players who are current high school recruits were eleven yeah okay this this didn't happen yesterday no college football is different. The SEC is different, and the SEC West is infinitely harder yes. than it was then. And, the, he, you know, recruiting with the NIL and the portal is different than it was back then when you drove up to kids and families and handed them a bag of cash, which is what he was doing. So that it's a different world a little bit. We'll have to see, can he recruit in that world? All right, can I go? I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm I'm okay. trying to you you wrote the script for tonight's show. I'm just trying to navigate it without stepping on your toes. Um, I was saying how I felt about him as a football yeah, yeah, coach. I I think that um, I'm curious to see the staff he puts together because that's going to go a long way towards it. And um, um, I have no I have nothing to say about the other stuff because I I just I mean I don't know it well enough. I'm not going to judge a guy based on stuff I don't even really understand or know. I, I I hear what everybody's saying on both sides. It all makes sense to me. Everybody's passionate about it. That's fine. Okay. But, you know, so go ahead. 
I think um, in terms of the staff, the only thing I want to say is they there's been statements today that he is keeping Cornell Williams. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. All right. Um, so yeah, this is the thing I want to say about Freeze. I'm going to walk through kind of the on-the-field stuff and the off-the-field stuff. But I want to say is that I my view is he has a pattern of poor decision-making. That's what I've said before, and I'm going to say it again. Okay. Like he's a, a football coach who's won some games, but he has a pattern of poor decision-making and that continually bites him. All right. So he, while he was, a, you know, he hasn't been a coach for a long time. He was a high school coach. Then he was at Lambeth. He was an Old Miss assistant. He was, you know, Old Miss head coach. He was at Old Miss for five years. My uncle was a professor at Lambeth. They, they were probably there at the same time. That's pretty okay. cool. You should ask him. Well, can't, but yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, we could do a seance on another yeah. show and ask him what he thinks. We'll get Boris <laughs> to check in. Uh, I'm dialing him up now, coach. Um, so he, he was he was the head coach at Ole Miss for five years. He did beat Bama twice, but they never won the West in any of those years, even though they beat Alabama. So in some sense, they squandered the, the beating Alabama part. Yeah, so he started somebody else, yeah. He started in 2012 as the Old Miss head coach. They went seven and six his first year, zero and six against ranked teams. In 2013, they went eight and five. They went two and four against ranked teams. In 2014, he went nine and four. They beat Alabama and went four and two against ranked teams. 2015 was his good team, a really good team. They went ten and three. They went three and one against ranked teams and beat Alabama, uh, but they didn't win the West because they lost to that insane game to Arkansas, oh. 53 to 52. Uh, yeah. Where Arkansas had the lateral on fourth and twenty-three, mm-hmm. um, and and in that they beat Alabama early in the season when Alabama was playing Cooper Bateman at quarterback and had a couple of I think they had five turnovers in that game. Mm-hmm. Alabama then bitched Cooper Bateman, started Jacob Coker, and won the national title. Um, in two thousand sixteen, the year after that, he went five and seven and was zero and four against ranked teams. So in the five seasons in the SEC. He was nine and seventeen against ranked teams. He was two and three against Alabama. He was two and three against Auburn, but one of those was two thousand twelve. So he was one and three against Gus. He was three and three against Arkansas. Three and two against Mississippi State, and two and three against LSU. How would you stack up? Let me just ask you right quick. How would you stack up his coaching record compared to Kiffin? I, I think it's about the same. I, I mean, again, I, Kiffin's been other places: um, Southern Cal, Tennessee. But you'd uh, think, NFL. from the way everybody talks, that Kiffin's record was way, way, way better. No, I think people talk about. I, my impression is people talk about Freeze's record because he beat Alabama. He has a big well, skin this, on the wall um, that he won. Kiffin hadn't beat Alabama. No, that's what I'm saying. He that, again when he was at Tennessee, they had the game when Alabama blocked three field goals with Cody or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and they won that game ten to nine or whatever that was. Um, that game that was the game when Kiffin was at Tennessee and then he left. Um, but that, I think it, those are bigger wins than Kiffin has had. Right. Yeah, no, I I honestly, the more, I mean, I know that Kiffin's exciting and offense and all that, but in terms of actual results, I haven't seen it that much that was exciting, honestly. Uh, the first um, of this season, maybe, but then it all fell apart. So it, I'm going to continue with the on-the-field part, and then I'll talk yeah. about recruiting. So. Again, did any, so he, I'm gonna talk. He got fired at Ole Miss. Then he went to Liberty a year later. And again, I live in Virginia. I've probably watched six or seven Liberty games mm-hmm. over the last few years since he was there. Um, 
the Liberty is Liberty is a again it's a private school. They're a one. They're an FBS independent. So they have to piece together a schedule. They generally play one to two ACC schools, and then a bunch of schools like New Mexico, New Mexico, and, and or G five teams and stuff. So the best win they had in his entire Liberty career was in 2020. They beat that good Coastal Carolina team in the last game of the season. Yeah. Um, that was the at the very last game at the end of 2020. That was a good win. It, there's a lot of talk about him developing Malik Willis. And I think one of the things I want to say about that is, again, Malik Willis has talked about – there's a lot of people who say, well, Malik Willis was bad at Auburn and good at Liberty. But Malik Willis has said he had to change himself and his habits yes. and the way he the way he worked right. before him to be successful anywhere. That 100%. if he prepared like he did at Auburn at Liberty, he would have been bad there, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who the coach was. That's that right. He, Malik Willis changed himself. And took football more seriously, and worked harder, prepared harder, and that made him a better, helped make him a better quarterback, and better able to receive the coaching and actually develop. So I, yes, I don't want to give Freeze all the credit for Willis being a great quarterback. That's correct. Um, yeah. The other thing I want to be clear about Liberty. Plus, is, by the way, he was a transfer, and Gus, yeah. de, Gus did <laughs> very well with some transfer quarterbacks. So it's not like he went to Liberty out of high school and developed into an NFL. You know, I'm saying it's like you can't be hypocritical there. If you're going to praise um, Freeze for for developing a transfer, you got to praise Gus for developing transfers. You know, come on. That's fair. And again, this Liberty team this year, um, they lost their last three games in a row. They lost to a two and nine Virginia Tech team that's terrible. They lost to UConn, coached by Jim Mora Jr., and they lost to New Mexico. Okay, so our new head coach is on a three game losing streak to a bad Virginia Tech team, UConn, and New Mexico. So these things um, happen. And again, people will again. I people we excused it with Kiffin because we're like, oh, he's distracted. He wants to be the head coach, and you know all that stuff. But it's the, it's the same. All right, and so here's the recruiting thing you asked about a minute ago. In the year he's again, Nutt was the head coach before him, Houston Nutt. Uh, in 2013, they were eighth in the country. In 2014, they were 15th in the country. In 2015, they were 17th in the country. In 2016, they were fifth in the country. And then in 2017, things were starting to come apart. They were 31st in the country. So those were the those were the old Miss recruiting rankings under freeze. Well, yeah, and that's old Miss. I mean, yeah. No, that's some of the best. The, again, that number five in the country class is the best class they ever signed. They ever had, yeah, yeah. And done with without Dodge Chargers, although it may have been Challengers or perhaps Mustangs or dare we even say Camaros? I don't know. Or escorts. Or, no, <laughs> yes. I, I wasn't even trying to make the joke. Yes. Yes. I was, gonna, I was trying to make a like a bad car because it was old mess. Um, oh all right. my god! You get that, all right? So. Uh, now I want to talk about the off the field. You also stuff. get so this, John. Hey now, got a few new ones this week. So again, uh, I want to talk about the uh, the off the field stuff now. So oh goody, yeah. So just b- prepare yourself. You might want to buckle up. Okay. Um, so yeah. be it. This is the person who's now the Auburn uh, University head football coach. Uh, there was a USA Today article that came out a few years ago while he was still the head coach uh, at. Uh, at that high school that's depicted in the movie that he enforced the dress code on female students, including making female students take their shirts off in front of him, including paddling a female student, 
and repeatedly like measuring female students' skirt length and that kind of stuff. So again, this is while he was there before he ever went to Ole Miss. Um, again, while he was at Ole Miss, they got busted for cheating by the NCAA, and I'll talk about the penalties in a minute. But the Mississippi State Athletic Department and coaching staff turned them into the NCAA, including John Cohen, turned in information about freeze to the NCAA. Uh, Freeze blamed the recruiting violations on his predecessor, Houston Nutt, and said he did nothing wrong. He purposely went on Twitter and said, if you know something, send it to compliance at OleMiss.edu. He did that. He was cheating. They were cheating. He dared people to catch him. Okay, again, remember what I said at the beginning. This is my view. It's a pattern of poor decision-making. This is dumb. Okay, when you are cheating, don't go online and go, I'm not cheating. If you know something, report it, because believe me, they all reported it. And that's why you got nuked. Um, then he blamed, again, he blamed all the cheating on Houston Nutt. He said it was Houston Nutt's problem that all these things happen. So Houston Nutt sued Hugh Freeze for defamation. In the court lawsuit for defamation, Nutt filed a FOIA request for Hugh, for Hugh Freeze's cell phone records. Hugh Freeze and his attorney took those records. They could have reviewed those records in blacked out numbers that weren't official business, but they didn't. They didn't bother to spend the time or effort to do that. They handed the whole thing to Houston Nutt and his attorneys. Among the numbers in there were some numbers that weren't recruits, that weren't Ole Miss people, and they could they were like, huh, who are these? They were escort services. So Houston Freeze was using his state government issued cell phone to don't call say that escort John. services hold, hold up don't say houston freeze that's the last image we need <laughs> so hugh freeze was using his state government issued cell phone to call escort services while he was on recruiting trips while he was on travel for the university he was representing he was contacting escort services and using them again poor decision making he, uh, it didn't bother to look at the phone numbers. He knew the calls were in there. He gave it to somebody, the attorney, and somebody who was out to get him because uh, Freeze had been saying bad things about Houston Nutt. So Houston Nutt and his attorneys discovered the phone calls and released them. So again, if you're not familiar with this, if you work for the government, the things that you do are subject to freedom of information laws. He worked, yeah, he worked for... <laughs> The state of Mississippi. You, I understand a bunch of the money comes from outside, but Hugh Freeze was a government employee working for the state of Mississippi. So I just want to say this. If you're one of these people like myself who gets mad about waste of taxpayer money, then you should be unhappy about that. Okay? There was public funded resources used so that he could call escort services and go do that stuff while he was on travel being reimbursed by the state of Mississippi. So... Ole Miss investigated the phone calls. They found they were true and that there was a pat a concerning pattern of behavior going back to the time he started at Ole Miss. So for six years, they saw that a pattern of that behavior. He was doing that stuff. A poor decision making. Okay. So then we get to the NCA penalties. Ole Miss got a two-year postseason ban, three years of probation, four-year ban on some scholarships. They had to vacate 33 wins. So actually, his official record in the NCAA uh, rulebook is 12 and 25 at Ole Miss. Um, many of the other people involved got show causes against them and cannot be involved in recruiting. 
Hugh Freeze got a two-game suspension in 2018, but if he was employed, but he wasn't employed. So then he was told, either resign or we will fire you. He resigned in July of 2017. So then he sat out a year. At, after the 2018 season, he began work at Liberty. While he was at Liberty, uh, Liberty is under investigation for its handling of sexual assault. What's happened is Liberty University has encouraged students who were sexually assaulted not to report their claims to the university or the police. They told them, they, they told students that. So the students, you know, file complaints to get the university, the feds and other people are investigating. The students also sued the university. A student tweeted about this. A student who was party to the lawsuit against the university tweeted about this and tweeted about it in relation to Liberty Athletics and what they were doing. They didn't. This person did not name Hugh Freeze. This person did not tag Hugh Freeze. This person did not name football. Hugh Freeze DM'd that young woman to defend the the Liberty Athletic Director. He did it. It's been verified. He is a he. One of the things about Hugh Freeze is. He's very online. He name searches himself and he DMs people if he sees them saying stuff. He does it all the time. And it again, if he DMs you, there's evidence he did it. So he DM'd a young female student at midnight to defend this person. Who's the person who he was defending? Ian McCaw. Ian McCaw was the athletic director at Liberty. He was a former athletic director at Baylor when all the bad stuff happened. So that's not the kind of person that you should be going to the mat for to defend, but that's what Hugh Freeze was doing by, again, going down a sexual assault survivor to stick up for the Baylor athletic director. Not good decision-making, okay? This is just a pattern. He's very online. He searches his name. He DMs people in the media all the time if they say anything about him. All the time. So I want you to just think for a moment how that's going to go when things go poorly for some for him at some point at Auburn, uh, he has a bad game, the play calling's bad, he's getting ripped up and down and sideways, and everybody's saying bad stuff about him, and then he's going online and arguing with people. Because it's going to happen. You can lock that one down. It's 100% going to happen. So that that's the, the sum of it. Um, that's me kind of walking through the whole thing. I, uh, I feel... You know how I feel. I've been angry since the thing was announced. I love Auburn. I will always support our players. I have a problem with the process and the hiring decision. Um, there were other coaches that we could have hired, and they would have done just as well as Freeze without all this crap, without all this stuff. We didn't have to wade into this, and they chose to. Um, so. I think Auburn University has sullied its name by hiring this guy. And this is the other part. This is the other reason I brought this up. Not so that we're doing the trial before he starts and that stuff, because you are going to hear this every day. You, the Auburn fan, when you go to work with other people, you're going to hear this stuff about him from every other fan, because all the stuff I just talked about is real and it's out there. So you're going to hear this from fans of every other school. And when we – down the road, if he wins some games, you're going to hear about it then, too. You're going to hear, oh, yeah, he, yeah, great, he won a game. But here's all these terrible things. It's never, ever, ever, ever going away. Ever. I don't believe that he has changed as a person. I think he makes poor decisions and will make poor decisions. And one day it's going to blow up in his face and Auburn's face. And then we're going to start this process over. That might be four years from now. It might be four weeks from now. But I don't have any doubt in my mind 
that that day is coming. So I'm I'm here. I'm going to be on the podcast, like I said at the beginning. But just don't expect big, you know, flowing reviews from me about Hugh Freeze. So that's what I wanted to say. Please clap. I I understand that everybody's going to love that, but I feel how I feel. I think so. there. <laughs> Time out. I think there are uh, probably way more Auburn people that I have seen that feel that way, uh, even if they don't know the entire timeline like you just laid out, than feel otherwise. Um, but um, it's hard to say, though, because I did a poll. Let's check in. Let's just check in real quick and see. I started a poll after somebody suggested it this afternoon, right after the hire was announced. Um, I, while you look at the poll, I want to address something Josh is bringing up. The idea that, like, his wife forgave him, so we have to forgive him. I, again, great. His wife forgives him. He's found peace. I'm happy for that. He's making $5 million of liberty. Just because they forgive him doesn't mean that I have to give him a job after the list of stuff I just went through. I see a pattern of poor decision-making. I don't have to hire you if I see that. I don't have to entrust you with this thing that is very important to me. But you know what Hugh Freeze would say, though, about getting hired, even though people don't necessarily want him? Scott Wilson! That seemed appropriate. All right. I started a poll at 3.15 p.m. today, and I said, AU people only, please, because I don't need I don't need Bama people jumping in, you know, trying to influence this or whatever. I just want to know what the Auburn family thought on Twitter. To be fair, all right. I teach political science. One of the things I always explain is when you do a poll, you're, the first thing you do is you're taking a sample from the universe, and the universe is the people whose opinions you want to know. I don't want to know the opinion of Alabama fans. I don't want to know the opinion of Ole Miss fans. I want to know the opinion of Auburn fans, okay? So I can't control for that, but I can at least say up front, please self-select only Auburn fans. Okay. And then I said, your reaction to Auburn hiring Hugh Freeze, positive or negative? When I first started it, I got about 250 responses within the first 30 minutes, and it was about 67% negative, 33% positive. As of right now, there have been uh, six hours. There have been 1,247 votes. It is 52.7% negative, 47.3% positive. Negative is still winning, but it's a lot closer than it was this afternoon take that with big container of salt but take it for whatever little it's worth but that's where that's where it stands right now i was just curious in a related note since you're talking about twitter news has come out tonight as part of his contract hugh freeze has had to give up control control of all his social media accounts because he can't be trusted with them he literally had to put that in his contract that he can't tweet he can't go online there are a number of people I feel that way about. Um, that was what I was going to say was the one thing that encouraged me, and you can laugh and make fun of me, you know, folks, all you want for being encouraged by this, but I'm looking for whatever I can look for, right, is I I said last week I trust John Cohen. He's given me nothing but, but good vibes so far about all this, except for what you laid out a little while ago, but we didn't know that last week, okay. And he said, you know, basically Auburn announced when they hired Hugh Freeze that they had done enormous amount of research and diligence and everything and were more than comfortable with what they have found. 
Auburn never contacted that the young woman at Liberty that I talked about earlier. She's already come out and confirmed that. Nobody from Auburn nor the search firm or anybody else talked to her to confirm or deny that story. It may be that not everybody thinks that's as bad of an issue as some do. I mean... Okay. Again, I, I'm sure they did. Again, I want to be very clear. John Cohen and Dr. Roberts are putting their rear end on the line. They have now handcuffed themselves to this person with the record of behavior that I just talked about. So if you're John Cohen, remember all the Alan Green stuff with Harson? That's you, baby. It's all there. If he goes overboard, you're going overboard too. One second after he does or before. So, you know, there's no going out. There's no going out. So I'm telling you, he's in the DM. No, I, I don't think it's – again – Auburn hired a, a like a disaster PR firm to help spin this. That's part of the deal. They're doing damage control and media. So there's going to be a big push in the next couple of days to spin, well, spin, 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 spin. I, I said from the moment I heard it, I said he's going to need to have a grand slam home run of a press conference. No? Again, I, again there, he cannot win the press conference. Like, Auburn cannot win the press conference. I don't think it's possible. I, I mean, again, Freeze can say all the right things. He could say everything that anybody would ever want to hear. And But, again, I don't want I don't want to even – I want to hear Cohen and them lay this out, all this vetting stuff, and put – okay, great. Let's see it. Bring it. Lay the goods on the table. All the investigation you did, let's have it. Put it all out there. I, that's my ask for Cohen and, and Dr. Roberts. You say you did this investigation. I – I agree. I think that the press conference is going to be important, but I think it goes back to our discussion about the coaching candidates and stuff and trying to get a big home run higher. I think there was a point where winning the press conference was no longer possible. And I don't, I, they were, okay. What if, you know, when he gets tough questions at the press conference, what's going to happen? Cause they're well, coming. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying what he needs to say. I'm saying that when he gets tough questions he needs to have a grand slam home run of a of a response i have you asking me what's he gonna say how, how the hell am i supposed to know what he's gonna say i'm just saying he needs to say something that's good that's all i'm saying no you're 100 right it, and, and they're probably locking him in a room with some crisis management people oh yeah for those questions because oh he's gonna he, be able to do that part he's in there sweating like a like he's getting ready to take his sats you know i mean he's uh he's getting all so, um, yeah, they need to be cramming him like he's getting ready for a presidential debate or something. Well, what else we got to say about all this? Is there anything left that there is to say? Again, I think I've said how I feel, man. And, uh, you know, I think this, I believe everything I said. And, and again, I think there's going to be, Auburn is going to be doing the positive spin stuff. But if you think all the dirt on Hugh Freeze has already become public, I don't believe that. I think there will be more that people were holding back that's going to come. So, and again, we bought that Dang. car now. We own it. So, so you're saying not only do we have to deal with everything already, but you think there's going to be even more that comes out from the past? Yes, I think there again because I, I think there's people that were sitting on stuff until he got the next big job. It's a trap. And I think those people were, you know. What are you? Some kind of doomsday machine, boy. I, you know, I'm I do, I'm an optimistic person. I don't want to be this way. You know what? I'm making a choice with every moment. Yeah. 
Every breath I've taken today, I've made a choice. I hear I'm, you. I'm like, I'm like a little boat in the storm, and every second I have to tack, right, to, to keep from flipping over or going this way or going that way. I have to tack. It may seem like I'm just kind of placid and uh, ignoring it. It's quite the opposite. I'm like the duck that's treading water under the surface. I know. You keep paddling. But on the surface, dude, I'm cool as a cucumber. Um, all right. Should we talk about the Iron Bowl? Something happy? Let's do that. I never thought I'd say that about an Iron Bowl we got blown out in 49 to 27, but I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy about that Iron Bowl, man. Why are you happy about an Iron Bowl where we lost the way? Because what would the score have been if we had not fried the potato? 49 to nothing. Yes. Or probably 56 to nothing. Because yes. we kept the control of the ball. We maintained ball control and possession and time of possession more than we would have. And we rotated defensive players more than we would have. And so we would have probably given up instead of – we gave up – all right, we lost the second half 14 to 13. And I know that probably some of that is Saban calling off the dog a little bit, although they did score late. So, you know, the Alabama people could say, you know, oh, we called off the dogs, but that didn't keep them from punching in, you know, one late. So let's, let's just, you know, the, the dogs weren't entirely called off. But we put more rushing yards on them than any team ever has on a Saban team. And that includes the 2013 Auburn Tigers that were a rushing machine. And it includes the Georgia Southern team that ran all over them. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Saban put out that quote about they went through our us like shit through a tin horn. <laughs> like that's where that quote comes from. From like they ran yeah. again. They didn't have as many yards as this Auburn team did. Right. So what I'm saying is, with with the potato in charge. We wouldn't have scored. We wouldn't have crossed the 50-yard line. They would have had a lot more chances to score than they did. So I was just excited because this is a game, like you said, we probably would have been shut out of. And instead, we got to hear... And I thought, all right, we scored. Maybe that'll be the only one we score all day. But then again, we got to hear... Well, just the first to touchdown. Touchdown, Auburn! Yeah, the the first time we scored, we did go ahead, and then uh, yeah. So I mean, I, by the way, uh, gang out there, Wishbone family, I felt it was past time that I added some Jim Five to the soundboard. And in fact, when it dawned on me, I didn't have hardly any on it. I had, I, of course, I have rods. Holy cow! Oh my. Well, that one's, you know, and also... A miracle to turn the hair! Right, I had those, but I, I just realized I didn't have any gym. It was all rod. And so, when I got those two, I said, screw it, I'm putting the whole thing on there. Oh my, touchdown Auburn! Touchdown Auburn! Touchdown Auburn! Tillman, Tillman, Tillman! Tillman at the baseline of the end zone! A bullet, my burger! Auburn goes ahead! Unbelievable! Tillman from Berger. Touchdown, Auburn. Just can't beat that. Just can't beat that. That's that's the difference, by the way, between our show and most other <laughs> Auburn podcasts is that we sound like that, and um, they don't. 
because they're professionals and we're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, the, and this is the other thing I think is really true about the, the Iron Bowl game is the self-inflicted mistakes were the difference in the game. The fumble by Jarquez where he ran into Shanker who was blocking, I think, and then the stupid punt drop call, which was yes. complete crap. Uh, Th- those two things, again, it was, you know, what was the final score? It was 49-27, and those were 14 points by Alabama, okay? So yeah, I, yeah. That was, those were gigantic two plays in the game. And again, Jarquez dropped it. That's on him. The punt return call was BS, and that was Birmingham putting their finger in the scale saying Alabama gets to win. So, Well, from the angle they kept showing during the replay, and I know the referee's not necessarily, I don't know, but from the angle they kept showing, it looked kind of like this. But mm-hmm. then when they showed it later, it was like that. You could, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's yeah. like this. Oh, he could touch that. He may touch that, yeah. And then you turn it around, and you're like, oh, look, wait a minute, look at that, right? So, um by the way, and this while I'm talking about how things look, and our audio listeners are just like, "What are the, I, I'm, I'm missing out here on the third on the fourth dimension?" Um, Prospect Video <laughs> says, "Why is John's camera out of focus?" We've been trying to figure that out. We couldn't figure it out. We didn't want to be late coming on the air. It's punishing it. me. It's, a, it's kind of holding me back. No, I don't know. I, it's some technical issue. It's been fine recently. I, I we I rebooted tonight and did some other stuff, and it, it's not. It didn't come in. So well, and I said. It, I, I told him it's for our show. It's better to sound good than to look good, and honestly, we don't look that good to begin with, John. So we have to go with sounding good, right? But uh, but <laughs> he's wounded. But um, but uh, it, but as they say on Saturday Night Live, it's better to I, in this case, it's better to to sound good than to look good. So we're gonna go with that. Um, yeah. So it was one of those games where Alabama was gonna score. And we just had to play a mistake-free game, have a few breaks and turnovers, and and we didn't. So what that meant was we were able to hold it close for a while, kind of play back and forth. And I and you know I thought Funny Maine put it really well. I thought he put he you know, the dude does the the comedy YouTube things right. He put it really well. He he when he got through watching it, you know he does this every he watches the whole game and reacts and it's funny. And at the and he's a big Alabama fan. At the end he's like. I forget exactly what the quote was, but the gist of what he said was, you know, it wasn't really that close, but it felt close. And it's true, right? They won by, you know, 22, but it felt like we were right there on their rear end the whole the whole game. Because we were moving the ball the whole game and yeah. scoring. We were going up and down the field. And, again, we had those two plays which basically took the ball out of their hands and gave them to them mm. and gave them short fields to score. So we had fewer possessions than they did because of those things. Right. And so that was the big piece of it. But we the biggest thing was we were constantly moving the ball on them. We were continually rolling down the field on them. Yes. And, and, and so there was some counter punching that we were doing that you know you don't always see against Alabama, especially at Tuscaloosa. Why why do you think our um our defense was unable to slow them down after like the first quarter or so. I, I mean, our defensive line didn't have a great game. Some of that, honestly, was holding. They There's called some it injuries once. too, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. There were injuries, but our defensive line just didn't play as well as they did last year, and our linebackers didn't play as well as they did last year. That's a lot of it. Yeah. But, and, and they held like crap. But also, I think they had a good plan, 
and they took advantage of it. I think we overall on defense we didn't play as well as we did. I think that that is a big piece of it. Um, God, I just keep thinking if we could have played defense even close to as well as we did last year, we'd have won that game. Oh, hundred percent. But we couldn't get pressure on him. You saw it. He had ten oh. seconds sometimes, <laughs> and we can't cover for that long. And so I really was a. He didn't just you know, I, eat a sandwich. He made a sandwich and ate it back there. It was ridiculous. Took a took a nap back there. He that did. was tough. But laid out his little I, pallet and his pillow and just took a little nap at his teddy bear. Yeah. So I, again, I think Derek Hall had a good game. I don't think Colby Wooden had a great game. I don't think uh, some of the other defensive linemen had very good games at all. And and that was and again I, we re, we missed Echo Leota. We needed another yes. pass rusher, pass oh, rusher guy. Good gosh, yeah. Do some damage. So I think that was big in in in, in last year's game. And I think it was missing in this year's game. Um, the other, I want to talk about the offense for a minute because yeah. I, I want to talk about Robbie Ashford. Okay. Yes. He, Injured. Injured hurting. Yes. And if you haven't read his injury comments or all the things that he had, you know, go back and read that stuff because he went through a laundry list of things that he had wrong with him. And, and Bradley's right because the fumble play wasn't just a negative play. We gave the ball back to Alabama. He'd have gained a bunch of yards on that play and maybe scored mm-hmm. uh, the way it was going. Mm-hmm. But so he, he, Ashford was really banged up after that game, but I saw that guy continually running the ball hard and refusing yeah. to go down. He yep. never slid. He put his head down and his shoulders down and bulled forward, continually running over and breaking arm tackles from Alabama players. Mm-hmm. And I thought he threw the ball better than he had at any point since I've seen him. I mean, yeah. that, the touchdown pass was beautiful. Yeah. Well, no, Rich, uh, Richie said he's looked the best he has all year. I tweeted that during the game. I said he's playing his best game of the year. It was. That it was touchdown his pass game. was amazing. Yeah. It was great. He had – well, and Andy even had some short passes where he put some touch and some mm-hmm. little loft as a touch on it instead of the fastball. He did. And, and I think in hindsight, a lot of the – passing stuff we've seen from him was due to the injuries. He said the big injury came in the Missouri game. And we yeah. saw you saw him throw the ball well against LSU the week before. Mm-hmm. Then the Missouri game happens, he gets banged up, and then the throwing goes in the in the you know, mm-hmm. drops off significantly. And he also talked about how there were some weeks where he couldn't even throw in practice and that hurt the continuity with the receivers and stuff. We saw the results of that. So I I, we got to give credit also on the offensive side to Will Friend and I Killier because there was a yes. really good offensive gene plan. The great misdirection pitch oh. play. Oh yeah, and Cadillac said he remembered him being in that that deal with with his. He didn't mention Ronnie by name, but you knew as we were talking about how they were in this. Remember one of the one of the one of the things that made Tuberville hire uh, Borges was that Borge, they, he said, how can we use them both at the same time? And Borges laid out, here's what I'm going to do to have them both on the field at the same time. Because you remember, um, Nalsminger would only have one of them or the other, or, Brand, or Brandon Jacobs or Trey Smith. He'd have three of those guys on the bench and one of them out there in like the eye or the single back. And they're like, these are like the best players on a team. We need them on the field. And so they would use even, Carnell even at tailback. distraction or diversion. Yes, yeah. 100%. They, they'd either have them d- d- like – yeah, misdirection, or they'd have Ronnie go out to catch pass. He was a little better pass catcher than Carnell, or or yeah, but I mean, or even have him as a as a fullback or whatever. <laughs> they found a lot of creative ways to use those two guys, and I was very impressed. But the thing that just b- kept bowling me over watching it was how they, 
who were all on this. We didn't hire any new coaches. John, that's the thing that's amazing. We did not hire any new coaches a month ago. These are the same people that were on the staff under the potato, and it was like a renaissance. It was so much better. I'm like, when you stop trying to conform what you have to what you want and start doing what you can with what you have, it's night and day. It's night Amen. and day. No, and that's that's it. They took advantage of the team's strengths. And again, we knew the team strengths were tanking Jarquez. They took advantage of that, made good game plans that got them both on the field and gave the in and early in the season, you know, under the previous coaching staff, that there wasn't a lot of deception. The offense, the running game was very predictable a lot of times. And in this under under Brendan Hilliard, they they haven't done too much. They kept it simple enough, but there's a lot of you know, deception where you think it's going one way, it's going the other way. We're pulling the other the defense out of alignment and off balance. Do you remember the other offensive uh, system and offensive coordinator we had that took players that were suited for one type of football and tried to force them into another type and how it worked out? That man's name was Scott Leffler. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> and it didn't work out too good. It did not. It did not work out too good at all. So the other the other thing about this game is just that Auburn kept fighting and fighting and fighting. I mean, I yes. think that's the team where I again I didn't. There was a point where you're like, okay, we're not going to win, but I was really proud of the team. Yes, and the way they kept coming and coming and coming. That game. Oh yeah. Oh, here's the other thing I was going to say was when the potato and his little potato posse were heading back to Idaho. I, I heard I overheard this. There they are. Are they not a shame on their country? Are they not a disgrace? To all civilized beings, has not even the Reverend Ebenezer Slither declared them so. Amen. Amen, John. <laughs> Truer words were never soundboarded. Truer words were never soundboarded. Oh, Richie says, I thought you were going to say Tony Franklin. I got to keep my Franklins because that was Benjamin Franklin right there. But I can't keep my Franklins in order. There's James Franklin at Penn State. There's Tony Franklin, our offensive coordinator in, in, in 08. And there's a the picture with the books coming out of the building. Oh, yes. Oh, it's so good, him coming out with his little stack of football books into his car after he tried to coach every position on the team. And then Tuberville's like, all right, you're done. And then um, who was the other Franklin I'm forgetting? Ben Franklin? No, there was another one. It'll come to me. Anyway, oh, uh, Ron Franklin, the greatest Franklin <laughs> of all. Look, you got Tony you got James, you got Benjamin, but at the top you have Ron Franklin. Ugh. We are stands for Ron Franklin on this podcast. We love Ron Franklin. ESPN six thirty Saturday night. Ron Franklin and my, and Mark Gottfried. God re- love them. The greatest TV football commentators that ever commentated. I ah so good. Um, oh, Josh. Here's a good question when we're talking about the Iron Bowl. <coughs> what happened to Saban's face in the game? Well, the, the Dark Lord was trying to emerge from his mortal shell, and Saban was able to force him back inside, but it left a little... In, he's a actually, little egg, a, he's actually 130, and the spell was starting to crack. Yeah, that's a, that was actually an exit wound, not an entry wound. People don't realize that. You could just see the little claws trying to come out from that shell that he car- walks around in. But, uh, yeah. Um, oh, 
Dan Thompson says, Hugh Freeze is better than Scott Leffler is the nicest thing I can think of to say about the hire. Well, as you know, if you ever listen to this show, <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty much the low. We don't go much lower than than Scott Leffler on this show. I don't I don't think that we talk bad about Alabama fans as bad as we do about Scott Leffler. It's hard to get much lower than that on this program. He deserves every bit of it. Yeah, yeah. There they are. That's right. All right. So I, at the end of the Iron Bowl discussion, I want to take a minute and talk about Cadillac and the yeah. job that he did. Yes. Um. Again, there was this is the other thought I had a lot, you know, when the Kiffin thing fell apart was maybe we should just hire Cadillac. And I know we had this discussion last week about not putting him in that position and maybe we hire a, but we could hire him and then hire like a, an experienced older uh, former head coach to be his right hand man or whatever. But we didn't do that. But he did an amazing job over the last month. Uh, you could see, and we talked about it in this game, the difference in the, what the players accomplished versus what they accomplished before. And he didn't hire, he didn't have any different people, you know, uh, the same people in the room, but pe- different people do different things. It just, but part of it was the players believing more and engaged more. And he yes. did that. And he also yes. talked, you know, uh, this weekend about he heard reports that they were doing better in class and, and that kind of stuff. And so that's oh, what made yeah. me really proud. That was so good. I, that was so good. He said that the academic people came to him and said they're like different kids. They're, they're, they're you know, they're motivated. They're coming to class. They're doing their work and everything. He says it's like, it's like night and day. And I mean, he's not the kind of person that would just make something like that up. He was telling no. us what they were telling him. And I just thought, man, because it's one thing to say you're coaching them to play better football when they're there because they love to play football. It's another thing to say you've got them so motivated, so fired up, so encouraged about life, right, that they've changed their school habits. Holy cow. I mean, I needed Cadillac to come over when I was in Auburn. That would have helped. He'd be like, "Come on, man! You can be playing Nintendo right now. You got classes in a little while." I'd be like, "All right, coach. Sorry, sorry, car Cadillac. All right, I'll turn off the Nintendo. Sorry, I feel bad now. I mean, dang, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, this, this Auburn team should have gone eight and four probably if Cadillac had been coaching the whole season with that staff. I mean, they still would have lost to Alabama. They still would have lost to Georgia, um, but we would have beat LSU. We might have beaten." Ole Miss might have beaten Mississippi State, almost beat Mississippi State anyway. Took him overtime. Um, we, Arkansas been more competitive against Penn State. Oh yeah, yeah, Penn State for sure. Uh, <laughs> who knows, man? <laughs> In the upside down world, maybe we lose to Missouri. I mean, that was just that was just one of those. Who can say there? But I just feel like it would have been a very different season. Uh, if we could have had that kind of buy-in and that kind of uh, using our resources wisely, man, what a what a difference it would have been. But uh, it took but quite I, a quite quite a potato to ruin the chances of this uh, to mash this team's chances to deep fry them. Yeah, to julienne them, make them chips, bake. You got more. <laughs> bake potato, fried potato, sweet potato, sweet potato pie, julienne fries. Steak fries, cheese drink fries. So, fast food fries. All right, now that Van has that out of his system, I just want to go back to thanking Cadillac. And I, again, we went to that game and it was awesome. 
Mm-hmm. The crowd was awesome. He, everybody was really into it, and I'm not going to forget this. You know, this little four game stretch at the end of the year it was really, really uh, special time. So, Josh notes that Cadillac's getting a title and a pay bump, and I'm just curious. Uh, Rusty says curly fries, good one. Um, what is the title? I, the, I'm assuming the pay bump is good. I, he certainly deserves it. But I, I wonder what his title's going to be because I don't know. I don't even know. Is he going to be an on-the-field coach? Is he going to be recruiting coordinator? Is he going to be running back coach? Is he going to be assistant associate head coach? I mean, what what are they going to do with him? Something like something like that, probably. He's be a running Chief, back coach and a, a assistant head coach, associate head coach, something like that. Chief Cadillac. Um, yeah, you know, we could still make a bowl game. Assistant head coach, that works. That's what uh, Josh says. Um what was Zach Etheridge? Well, I wonder if they'll keep him, too. I don't know. Um, Cadillac may end up being the Joe Witt of this era. Remember how Joe Witt was on every staff? He was on Pat Dye's staff. He was on Terry Bowden's staff. He was on Tommy Tuberville's. He was there like 30 years, man. That was incredible. And then his son, of course, is, is off coaching. So, um, But, yeah, Auburn could still make a bowl game. There, there, there are actually people on ESPN's website that have predicted that we're going to, like, the car care bowl or something like that. And, um, and, um, the last I heard, there's like a list of teams by like their accomplishments, you know, that are five and seven. And we're second on that list. So if they do need more teams than they have at six and six or better, we'd be the second team theoretically to get an invitation. And, um, the only question then, I think, did we talk about this last week though, a little bit that maybe we didn't know, like, do you you know do we does the new coach do it does Cadillac do it do they both do it how do you you know what do you do I don't know that's it'd be up to them to figure out how they wanted to do it I would I don't know but um, but we'll see it would be ne- it would be nice because this team is five and seven they could win a bowl and be six and seven and that would be um, better than the way it looked like this year was going to go that's for sure six wins I mean I thought I didn't th- you know I didn't think that's going to happen so oh uh, the hoops team. Let's talk hoopity hoop for a second. Auburn basketball. Um, so they beat Bradley, which we talked about last time, was the team that, that uh, we had played in the NCAA tournament in 88. And then um, they beat Northwestern to, to capture the title in the Cancun Challenge, which sound, the Cancun Challenge sounds like it should involve <laughs> drinking tequila at some point, but okay. Um, yeah, listen. That the way that a, game was played, you I, needed it, it might have been a requirement. Yes, it looked like they'd all been drinking tequila. They, because our team doesn't shoot well to begin with, and when somebody actually does play good defense on them, oh my gosh, they both teams were couldn't throw it in the ocean, which is that odd since they were right there on the beach, <laughs> but they couldn't throw it in the ocean. That was the, one of the ugliest basketball games I've ever seen, and I'm including like you know little kid basketball and rec league. Bad church basketball and stuff. That was an unbelievably ugly game, and I do think the refs were out drinking tequila the night before because they were <laughs> that terrible too. too. The, the officiating in that game was unbelievably bad, and they were lucky there wasn't a you know a wreck, uh, yeah. fight or something at the end of that game for sure. But it, it's a good win. Northwestern is a very good defensive team, and mm-hmm. Auburn is not a great offensive team right no, now. No, no, no. And they made us look really bad. 
And interestingly, those those last few games, we, we couldn't score. We couldn't throw it in the ocean, as I said. Then we played good old SLU. And, you know, they played up here, and I got to go to it last year. And that was a great game. Tough. Tough, close game at the end. And so SLU was felt like they were better this year than they were last year. We are, They didn't think we were as good as we were last year, which is probably true for right now. And they wanted revenge. So they came down to Auburn for the return leg of the home-and-home. And they were leading a lot of the game and playing us tough. And and with like two, I think it was like two minutes and 48 seconds to go, uh, SLU was up by like five. And I'm thinking, this team cannot score. But here's, here's where I was going with that. We couldn't score worth a flip in the Cancun Challenge, even though we won it, and missed all those free throws. And yet SLU, that's St. Louis University, but... Up here we call it SLU. They, um, they were like one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country, and they went like one for eleven shooting free throws in the second half. They just went totally ice cold. If they had made anything close to their average free throws, they'd have won the game. But they just went ice freaking cold free throws in the second half, and and um, at the same time, Wendell who had not been playing well of late, I don't think, certainly not scoring much. Um, and plus, he, he took over in the last couple of minutes, and he did what he had he to do. He, and KD, too. Our guards. Well, yeah, at the end, KD did the it's KD Johnson time thing. Yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> and just ran through people yep. and got some baskets. And then Wendell made some big shots in the last few minutes. And we went from like down five to up five in yes. about a minute. Yes, and they missed their free throws that would have kept them in it. And KD even drew a charge. I was like, how could he stand still long enough to draw a charge? I can't believe it. That was amazing, but he did. And um, um, Broom was very good at in, in spots. He's got a lot of room to improve, but he's you can tell that he's got it. He's going to yeah, get there's better. Moments better. When, yeah. There's moments offensively and defensively when he really flashes, but I think mm-hmm. he, I agree. I think he's a long way from being – you know, who he's going to be and the contributor he's going to be in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, nowhere to go but up there. And so, um, yeah, we uh, we were able to shut them down. I think they scored <coughs> – sorry. I think they scored like one goal the whole like last two and a half minutes. We went – like you said, we went from five down to five up. And they couldn't make free throws and they couldn't stop us. And it's that guard play. That's what let us down at the end of last season. You've got to have guards that when the chips are on the line can make something happen, and they couldn't. Oh, the other thing was three-point shooting. We were terrible three-point shooting. They were even worse, but we were terrible three-point shooting. And um, and I think Northwestern game, they were like one for 20. (laughs) Oh, it was horrible. Yes. So I think that Bruce gave an order at some point in the second half, no more three-point shots. You've got to drive the ball. You've got to try to make something happen. Because we were just chucking it and chucking it and chucking it, and it wasn't going down. And we were that's when we started falling behind, was when we kind of just kept pushing the three-pointers. So The only thing I want to say on, on, the, on the basketball thing is I do think Flanagan looks good. I think he's, he's not all the way back to where he was a couple years ago, but he's 95% of the way back, and he's – Especially defensively, he's a huge impact. You oh, always yeah. appreciate that when yeah. you're watching the game. But he's taking a lot of times their best wing player and shutting that person down. 
and he's scoring way more than last year, and he's not making mistakes like he did last year. He's playing more consistently now at the beginning of the season than he did in the crunch time last season when he should have been at his best. He just... He was still tentative last year. He was making mistakes. He was making turnovers when we didn't need him. He was a tur- he was a walking turnover machine a lot of last season. And this season, he seems in some flashes like the best player on the court, which yes. is what we were anticipating a year ago if he hadn't gotten hurt. So, yeah, that's huge. So good. So, all right, so how do you feel about this team right now? Again, they're a great defensive team. The depth is helping with that. I think, again – Broom's been coming off injury. I think Westry is not close to where he's going to be in a few weeks coming off his injury. I think, And they've decided to just play him at one position instead of making him try to play multiple spots and learn multiple spots stuff. So I think the rotation you're going to see over the next few games, the rotation settle down more to something. And I think the offense start to evolve where they want it to go. So I feel good about it. Again, the defense is great. The offense is going to get better as we move, as you know, Broom and Westry – get healthier and those guys uh, you know get define their roles better and get be placed in better positions to succeed yeah I think that when we start getting some offense to go with this defense we're going to be formidable yes. right right now I don't know that we're in the top four in the SEC but I think we have the potential to get up there if we can get things going um, speaking of the basketball team a couple of things if you want well John and I just wrote a book on Auburn basketball right Hopefully everybody knows that by now. Yeah, what a, what a surprise. Newsflash. Yes. Breaking news. <laughs> we wrote a book on Auburn basketball called Auburn Basketball. We're very creative. From Barkley to Bruce. And it's got a new cover. I just uh, added I just added at the top, instead of where it says the by the AU Wishbone, whatever, it now says the best and most comprehensive book ever written on Auburn basketball, David Housel. And so if you've got the copy that says, you know, the AU Wishbone authors, it's like the first edition. Congratulations. And now the new edition's just got a slightly different blurb on the top of the front cover. That's the only thing that's different. If you want a copy, um, go to Amazon for the paperback. If you want it on Kindle, go to Amazon. Um, I, don't, I was going to say go to the AU Bookstore in Auburn, but I think they're out. I think we sold all of them uh, couple of weeks ago so i don't know if they have any right now i'm, I'm waiting to hear back if they need some more um if uh if you want a signed hardcover you have to be a patron and then we set the wheels in motion it may take a while it can vary from weeks to a couple of months but um we have a few more of those we're about to send out they're in the tra- in the in the they're in the uh supply chain as we say and so um just uh let me know on, on, on through email or through uh, Twitter or through uh, the, the Patreon page, whatever, and we will hook you up. I've like five copies in the last week since I mentioned it last time. So, um, so there's the book. Um, to be a patron, to become part of our family and support this wacky endeavor that we call the AU Wishbone, all you have to do is go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com, and click on the big orange button. By the way, don't get distracted. There's a lot of cool stuff at www.auwishbone.com. There's videos. There's audio links. There's links to the book. There's everything you could possibly want is on www.auwishbone.com. But um, if you go there and you just ignore all that fun stuff and click on the big orange button, you can become a patron. This is where we thank... 
our patrons, and then we'll do our update on the college football pick 'em. Um, and then we have guest the game coming up. A couple more things, real quick. This show's going to go on all night, but that's okay. We had a lot to talk about. So we do, and by the way, we do not do ads. We depend entirely on you, our listeners, to to keep the show going. Here now are the fine folks, and my voice, as you can tell, is already giving out. I've been fighting something ever since the football game. This is going to be painful, but I give, man. It's what I do. To quote Cadillac, I'm here to serve, all right? So here are the fine folks. I've already gone through one of these. I'm now partway through another one. I'll do the best I can. We have to thank Samuel Salvatore, Chris and Clinton Stewart, <laughs> Boris the Tigers burner account. Oh, Boris has two accounts now. Oh, boy. Boris is getting a lot of play lately. He's a very popular tiger, world traveler. Carl Von Drunker, Ann Kanjian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU fan at KSC, Logan, <laughs> um, I got to move the soundboard over, Logan Chilton. Hey, there goes Tank Man. Yep. Um, uh, ah, oh, no. <laughs> ah. It's this thing that Windows does now where it doesn't let you move Windows around. Uh, it like Oh, rearranges. no. Is the soundboard gone? <laughs> no, oh. it just rearranges itself. Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, Master Sommelier, at everyone's favorite. Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Ah! Uh, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. Auburn has a freeze warning, according to multiple sources. Basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. I like it. I like that a lot. Ben Bloodworth. We just saw uh, we just saw Ben on the uh, on the comments a little while ago. He had a lot to say. Uh, Chris Hilton, go crazy Cadillac, go crazy. I thought I added that on the board, but I guess I didn't. Uh, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson. I'm sorry I sound so horrible tonight. Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks. This is why I didn't go into actual broadcasting for a living. It's because I get sick too much. I sound horrible. Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby. I'm ready to run through a wall for Coach Caddy. Amen to that. I, 76 Tiger Esquire, official sleazy shyster of Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Volunteer <laughs> to defend Hugh Freeze. Wow. Okay, 76 Tiger. Uh, we got the Soundboard Fan Club signed up, but it's kind of blurry on account of John's camera. <laughs> um, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. Algo, Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, it's Bruce Pearl time. I think he was uh, Richie was on a while ago too, may still be. I have the uh, the comments covered up right now by the soundboard for this, so I can't really see. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, I really need like a bank of monitors like at one of those security companies. Uh, Wilson Beard, when Carol heard Cadillac is taking over the reins and said... Good. Yeah. Good. Now we're having fun. That's right. Winston Body, returning to everything school. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, I guess his regular account. Uh, Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Cato the Barner, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, Darius Benton, David Simpson, Di Bama, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, 
Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mike Finley, one more win and we're bowl eligible and we came so close, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous <laughs> and anonymous donors. Ah! That's right. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, the next head coach for Auburn football, well, I guess, Tim Pittman, Tony Perry, Weagle87, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. That's a great name. AJ Herman, Alex Wynn, Ben Amos, Ben Hanshu, Ben Riggis, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney. Got a lot of Ben's. Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I'm missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, and finally, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald, <laughs> escort you freeze elsewhere. Oh, it's even popping up in the uh, in the in the patron uh, names now. Um, we gotta get better at celebrating. I guess Auburn has frozen over. Oh, okay. Mark always says insert favorite soundboard clip. I'm gonna go with one of the new ones, and I think it will be. Scott Wilson. Hey now. <laughs> That's like the one dude out there with the Crusaders. I'll buy this for a dollar. I don't know if anybody's noticed that there's been two new Kingdom of Heaven sound clips this week. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason Louisa Scalbrick, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory. This has got to get to the end soon because I'm about to die. Joey Miller, Joseph Island, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains, the barbecue. You have failed me for the last (coughs) time. A.K.A. Auburn Dad for life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. They don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. The Volgas are full of sound and fury. There you go. I've, I needed to play that for Alabama Week anyway. Uh, oh, I took the other one off. I had the, let's have a spelling contest. That was the other one that worked really well with Alabama. Um, Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther. Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom down at Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Yep. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, thank you for my basketball book. You're welcome. The Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, Chris, and our one-time and anonymous donors. And by the way, John, somebody did ask me this week how to be a one-time and anonymous donor. And I was saying there's various ways you can do it. There's PayPal. Or you can just sign up for a month and then make sure that the transaction goes through for that month and then and then cancel too. But I don't like to encourage people to cancel their Patreon. I like to encourage no, them to I, stick around. And and again, if you uh, you can communicate to us that you want to be anonymous too. I know not everybody wants to be famous on the internet in the segment. That's right. That's right. As fun as Van makes it. <laughs> I try. All right, so do we have an update? Is, is the college football pick contest over? Because it looked like it ran out of weeks. This, I don't, I, maybe I'm wrong. The SEC's done, though, right? I, I think it is over. I think we're going to do a separate one for just the bowl games. Okay. So yeah. brace yourself for income, another invite. We're going to do the yeah, same thing. Yeah, you know who did really well on that last yeah, year. Yeah, okay. I, I'm coming for you, Boris. I'm just telling you. <laughs> um, so, and the college pick Van Plexico somehow still in first place. 85-22, 79% at one game back. Uh, big AU fan, WHB is at 78%. Daniel, uh, I am, you know, I had a tough week. I'm t- I'm in 11th. 
uh, 71%. I had a you know, brutal week for me. But uh, I think a lot of people had a tough week. There was like, some games out there that were yeah. were killers. But uh, oh, so, um, I, didn't wasn't there one? It, it, that, we'll get we'll get to him. That's right. When, when we course. get to the games, we'll talk about it. But I want to give Van credit. He led from the beginning, coast to coast. <coughs> took this home. We got to give Van Plexico some credit. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Um, though there's the only reason I won though. God bless it. There you go. Um, that was great. Steroids. <laughs> and Smoke weed every day. That was the other. That was the other reason. That's right. Of course. Yeah. No, that was fun. I just. I. I was so scared to death because when you're not in the lead, you're like scrapping, clawing, trying to figure out how to get an advantage. But when you're in the lead, you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't mess up. I can't mess up. One mistake and I'm ruined. You know. And so, I was a nervous wreck all the way through it. But that was great. That was really fun. Um, I have I have a quick World Cup update. Do-do-do-do-do-do. World Cup update. Yeah, I'm uh, crap. I'm trash. I'm doing terrible. I know that. <laughs> all right. Are are you um, <clears throat> Forza Plexico? Yes. All right. So again, Vans tied for seventh with me uh, and uh, John Atsuki. Uh In first place is Maryland Aub with 27 points. Right behind the closest behind him is. Uh, Auburn Elvis, whose team is named some kind of doomsday machine. His yeah. Set is, he's, he's been leading 40. pretty much solidly. Yeah. yeah he's Maryland up. all solidly in the lead at this point. Okay. Um, so I'm excited about that. We have some good team names in here. There's a, a game of throw-ins. Yeah. There's a, a, a team name called uh, Lead Tasso. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, so again, if you're interested, your your patron, let me know. If you're not in, you can pick, have fun with it. But so we are going to do the bull pick'em when that comes along. So be ready. Yeah, and see, there's another incentive to hurry up and sign up, be a new patron, is you can get in on the ground floor from the very beginning on the bull pick'em. This is the bull pick'em that Boris the Tiger won handily last year and became infamous for. But we are all determined to not lose to a stuffed animal this year. So we'll see what happens. He doesn't appreciate when I say that. Uh, he did have, a, by the way, a new deep-fried meme yesterday. I don't know if you saw after the basketball game. Boris had a deep-fried meme. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, the World Cup pick him. That just never has worked out for me. I just This has been a World Cup. It's been a World Cup of upsets, John. It's been very unusual. World Cup of upsets. Um, you want to do guess the game? You want to just save that one for next week? Jared probably appreciate if we save it for next Let's save it for next week. Save it. Yeah. Because we got, I'm going to be honest, we got a few emails. <laughs> we got, yeah. So let's go ahead and hit the button and get into our. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. Let's blast calls, John. Let's blast calls. All right. Here we go. First email is from Mark Sandy, who, and I'm, I'm starting with a layup, Van. You ready? Yes. He says. If Cadillac Williams were an actual Cadillac, what make and model car was Brian Harson? Oh. He says, I thought about boring cars like the Chrysler K car, the <laughs> Ford Escort, or Taurus, but those were actually successful models. I'm thinking the DMC DeLorean is the perfect comparison. A promising beginning and look good, but quickly turned into an overpriced disappointment. And you'd need a time machine to make it worth anything. <laughs> I'll go with that. I can make a joke out of it. I'll work with it. I'll go with it. All right. So, but would you pick a different car? Or would you pick DeLorean? No, that's fine. That works. That's good. I like it. I can't think right. of one better. A Fiero. Uh, <laughs> it just falls apart and bursts ooh. into flames. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, 
a late uh, mid late 80s Jag uh, Thunderbird. Um, all right. I got we got some emails. We're gonna start with Bradley Blackman who says this is not a question, it's a statement. If Auburn hires Hugh Freeze, they are hiring a version of Gus 2.0 with a crap ton of baggage. Based on the mag baggage, it's not worth the risk to hire him. Uh, he says, Here's my question. Why is Auburn the only place this guy's name's associated with? He's never a candidate anywhere else when jobs come open. I know the recruiting window is about to open, but I, I assume get it right before rushing in another situation like we had this last time. I'd assume hire Carnell Williams and some top tier coordinators. I'd rather have that than freeze. So thanks for all you do. I hate that I missed the book signing, but I asked my kids to come over and they got me a copy of the basketball book and I look forward to reading it. Awesome. Cool. All right. Listener question from Doc Crackham. With the regular season over, and this was this was that he sent this at 3 p.m. today. Uh, at Auburn not having named a head coach, what do you think of Auburn hiring Urban Meyer? Yeah, that did pop up a couple of times there. Yeah, uh, that did pop th- up, but uh, turned out to be a smokescreen. <laughs> There's a Boris reference. Not, not as a candidate. Um, all right. This is from AJ Herman, who says, Hey, do you know if Auburn actually offered Lane the job? If so, is it the first time Auburn has offered a coach who didn't accept? I asked because I heard someone say Auburn would not offer without knowing for sure they would accept. I think Auburn got played a little, and I'm disappointed because I thought this coaching search was going to be different. Love the show, AJ Herman. I yeah. think no, no college university has ever offered a job to someone who did not accept. So LSU only offered the job to Brian Kelly. Right. They didn't off. They didn't offer it to Lincoln Riley. Mm. You know, Ed uh, Jimbo about five times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, we, and Mel Tucker. So. I, I I rest assured that that LSU never offered the job to Jimbo, yeah. and I bet right now they sure are glad that he didn't take it. Amen. And I could have told um, it, but they didn't ask me. And again, Alabama never offered the job to Rich Rod before Saban. No, no, Saban was choice number one from the get go. Amen. Ah, ah. All right. Uh, this Why is you from, uh, the monkey boy? John Atsuki who says, "So we hired the guy who di- who direct messaged sexual assault survivors and had teenagers change in front of him. A guy that uses work phone to order sex workers." While Bible thumping, we hired a man who continues to lie about these encounters. Have we done anything more shameful in the last 30 years? This is the worst I've ever felt about my Auburn mater. I'm done with everything Auburn football other than this podcast. I, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep going. Next one is from uh, Josh Benefield, who says, Hey, fellas, no pithy jokes, no interesting stats to throw out, no shout-outs to an overlooked player on the softball team or something. Just thoroughly disappointed with this hire. I know John has been pretty open about his dislike of Freeze, while Van has seemed less opposed. I'm adding the letter I sent to uh, President Roberts, the AD Cohen, and every Board of Trustees member I could find. It's so long, I wouldn't ask you to read it on your pod, but I appreciate if you two read it. Uh, to understand where a lot of us are coming from, even without the baggage, he would be a disappointing hire. With the baggage, I can honestly can't comprehend why we're allowing this to happen. I'm taking a break for Auburn Sports for a while. I just wanted to say thank you, fellas, for all you've done. I obviously keep my patron going because you two deserve every penny. But other than that, you probably won't hear much from me for a while anymore. Thanks, Josh. And he attached his his letter to the Board of Trustees. And that was Josh. Which Josh? Benefield. Cato. Cato the Barner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we appreciate, right. we getting appreciate ahead. Mr. Rusty Owens, who I know is in the audience. Uh, this is getting ahead. The trial of Hugh Freeze. Okay, as I type this, 
Hugh Freeze is being announced as the next head coach of Auburn University. I can't believe I'm saying this and will be greeted with either disdain or yawns. I'm very disappointed that this is going to be the choice. Two weeks ago, everyone was high on the fact that despite two straight losing seasons, Auburn was in the best position for a resurgence since potentially die took over. We just opened our football-only facility, which has been universally met with rave reviews. We got our NIL act together. It was considered to be top five in the country. Carnot Williams took over as interim coach, and it was like someone hit the program with a defibrillator. Finally, Jabba could actually be used as a compliment. Then, at the <laughs> end like of the it. week, we start hearing signs that the number one candidate was having second thoughts. Since Saturday when he announced he was staying at Ole Miss and we subsequently lost the Iron Bowl for the third straight year, the program seems to reverted back to its old ways. I hear the AD felt very confident in our first choice, but also vetted several other choices so we'd be okay. Then we hear Luke Fickle goes to Wisconsin. Matt Rule is snapped up by Nebraska, and now we're talking about hiring an NFL QB coach with no head coaching experience. And, of course, there's Hugh Freeze. I hear how Coburn thoroughly vetted every candidate, but I question the notion when as soon as it is leaked, there's a firestorm of opposition. I will not rehash everything in this past. Suffice to say there's a litany of bad decisions, which if viewed in total show a flawed human being with a history of seeing two choices and time after time picking the most boneheaded. So everyone says, but he's a winner. Really, is he that good? His career winning percentage is 65% with only one 10-win season in his last three stops. One reporter talking to recruits this weekend said they didn't even know who he was. Is this the real or the best that we can do? Last week, I was told the sky was the limit. Now I'm being told that it doesn't matter since they beat Saban twice in a row. Guess what? Gus beat Saban two out of every three years, and now we're paying him to coach Central Florida. This man is going to walk in the living rooms already being negatively recruited against due to his stupidity. We'll have the national media ready to pounce on his first misstep. I will close by saying this is the first time I am truly disappointed in Auburn University, Rusty Owens. I have to note um, that there was a press release that I was not – hold on a second. There was a press release I was not privy to until this moment, and and Hugh Freeze says, quote – First, I want to acknowledge Cadillac Williams for the incredible job he did as interim head coach. The impact he made is immeasurable and cannot be overstated. So um, I, I just, regardless of everything else, if we can just push all that aside for one second in this parade of misery, just for one second, can I say that's really cool that he said that about Cadillac? And you can say, well, he should have, and that should be expected, and that's fine. But he did, and I appreciate it. That's fair. Um, Back to the parade of misery. Go ahead. Keep going. Wayne Carroll, question for the Prime Minister. Gentlemen, unless a Les Miserables-style populist uprising is overtaking Twitter as you hit the airwaves, it seems the hiring of Hugh Freeze will stick. Before I get to my question, I just want to take a moment to express how thoroughly disappointed I am in my alma mater for showcasing its total moral bankruptcy in this decision. While I believe in the precepts of grace and forgiveness as a rule, I think Coach Freeze's actions at both Ole Miss and more recently Liberty in inappropriately contacting a plaintiff in a sexually assault case against the university athletic director showcase that both these principles need to be predicated upon understanding and remorse for past actions, neither of which seem to have been publicly showcased by an individual who is about to be a more well-known name than our state's governor, thanks to both the heart of Dixie's obsession with football and our lackluster education system. Don't worry, I'm getting off my pulpit, but I have two questions. 
How are we supposed to take pride in our university and our football program except by turning a blind eye to all of this? When did winning become this important? Win Carol. All right. Daniel Barnett asks, obviously there's a lot of mixed feelings from listening to over the years, I'm sure Freeze wasn't John's first pick either, but imagine the potential of Robbie Ashford considering what Freeze did with Malik Willis at Liberty. There's another interesting line here. It's not from Freeze, but it's from ESPN. They said, over the past 12 seasons, Auburn has won a national championship and played for one. Only five other schools in all of college football can make that claim during that span. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, and Ohio State. That's a... When did LSU play twice in that span? I guess they won two. 19 and 11, I guess. Yeah, that's right. 11 was it, yeah. Yeah, we have the same record as LSU in terms of national champion type stuff uh, over that span because we won one and played for one, and they they played for one and won one, right? Yeah. Yeah, they played in 11 and they won it in 19. All right. Um, Jacob Fleming, friends, is it fair to ask why Auburn, why does Auburn struggle to land top-tier football coaches? Fit is key, but the process surrounding the past two hires has been atrocious. All right, this is from Danny Flack. He says, uh, <laughs> FYI, I flipped a coin before attempting to respond to your online survey. The coin bounced off the table and fell down a floor drain. <laughs> he says, my question. <laughs> That's how he decided on the coach, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. He says, uh, my question, I believe that redemption is available to anyone, but convincing your critics that you're a changed person is a fool's errand. As people who love Auburn, what message do you think the head coach needs to provide to get fence sitters like me and naysayers like John on board? Well, that's why I said he needs to have a home run Grand Slam press conference. And and I, I understand that many say that would not even be enough or not even begin to be the beginning of enough. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But it wouldn't hurt. And it's a step in the right direction. And maybe he'll say something that people will stop and reevaluate and take a, take, make a, take a, you know, think about it for a second. I don't know. It'd be nice. All right. Next question is from Auburn Elvis, who says, dear John Van. I didn't realize that my love for Auburn football had limits, but it does. I will not be supporting Auburn football while Hugh Freeze is the coach. Also, I hope your show will trend away from football, at least in the offseason, so I can still enjoy it. I doubt I can listen to weekly evidence of the most embarrassing hire in Auburn football history. And he says, take care, hashtag fire Hugh Freeze. You can go set up firehughfreeze.com. Somebody hadn't already, I'm sure it have. Probably going all the way back to Lambeth. Those Lambethites right. are up there, fireyoufreeze.com. Uh, Hugh Free, uh, this is from Dan Thompson, who says, I love Auburn. I've met my best lifelong friends at Auburn. I've found faith at Auburn. I love Auburn football because it's Auburn football. I fell in love with Auburn football one day when the student section started chanting, it's great to be an Auburn Tiger after losing a game. I thought the creed meant something. I believed in Auburn and love it. I detest everything about this hire. He might be successful. He will say all the right things, but he has proven what he is. I'm all for forgiveness, and maybe he's changed, but I'm not sure if that corrupt institution of higher learning in Lynchburg is on the road to Damascus. Uh, also, he got boat raced by New Mexico. Um, <laughs> he says, true. I knew we should have made <laughs> John Bringer athletic director. Well, the- this is true. <laughs> you know, we will make John the athletic director if... God wills it! There you go. All right, a couple more. We're almost there. 
This is from uh, Trey Jackson, who says, rant for the prime minister. He says, I don't even know where to start, so I guess I'll have to. Number one, Kiffin was a great number one choice, and it didn't work out. And old Mrs. Coach saying thanks but no thanks in and of itself is depressing enough. Amen. Number- yes. I, I That's what I said. I was more <clears throat> at the end of this process. I said horrible. <clears throat> at the end of this process, I was more into Kiffin being hired because of that than because I thought he was the best fit for the job. And that's a sad, sad commentary and not easy for me to admit. But it's a fact, and I'm willing to look in the mirror and admit it. I was like, I want him to be hired just so we won't be coming in second to Ole Miss in something, and then we'll see how he does after that. Plus, I knew it would make the Alabama fans mad, too. And anything that makes Alabama fans mad, I'm generally in favor of. All right, a couple more points from, from Trey Jackson. A lot of the excitement around Auburn football the past few weeks has been based on the thinking that we were turning a corner. Getting rid of a bad coach was encouraging. Seeing Cadillac do his thing was awesome. But so much of the buzz was also based on anticipation of something bigger that seemed about to happen, which makes point one about Kiffin saying no thanks sting even more. But then, number three, your backup plan was Hugh Freeze. This is the leadership that's supposed to lead Auburn to a new era, really? Not only is Auburn not going in the right direction, we're actively regressing. Are we competing with anyone besides Liberty for his services? Why might that be? How much effort do we put into candidates like Lanning or Dykes? I know you guys like their long shots, but did we even interview T. Will or Jeff Grimes? Cohen and company actually believe Freeze was a better choice than any of those. He says, I don't really care about the recruiting violations at Ole Miss. And as someone who went to grad school in Oxford in 2015 and 2017, I can tell you they don't care either. And I don't want to minimize how awful his personal behavior was. If his wife and family had forgiven him, I suppose I have no right to be harsher than them. But just because you want to give someone a second chance, it doesn't mean their judgment is suddenly good. And it doesn't mean you can give them the most important job you have available. Speaking of poor judgment, look at what he's done since then, especially his unsolicited message to Liberty students about lawsuits and sexual assaults. He says the comparisons to Pearl are laughable. One of these guys lied to the NCAA. The other used a burner phone to hire prostitutes. Again, forgiveness is one thing. A pattern of poor judgment is another. I want to talk for a second about that nobody else wanted him but Auburn and Liberty. I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Show, I, 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 know. I hear you, but I, I have no, I listen to a lot of stuff. To, I read a lot of stuff. I have not heard his name come up for another coaching vacancy. I want to make this. I want to make this perfectly clear. All right, I want to make this perfectly clear. I'm not comparing Bruce Pearl in any way to Hugh Freeze. Not doing that. I'm just asking this question: Who were we competing with to get Bruce Pearl when we hired Bruce Pearl? Who did we hire him away from? I, I think if again at the time Bruce Pearl was like I'm happy at ESPN I don't want to come back I think if schools knew he was on the market there would have been some schools doing it he was but still I, under the show cause when we hired him okay. we kind of jumped the market you know we wrote a book about this <laughs> I, I'm aware we buy he was the book still, now yes it's in there it's in there but I'm just I'm that's why I'm asking this as a rhetorical question like he was still under the show cause. The genius of Jay Jacobs in hiring Bruce Pearl when we did was we got in there and got him before he was really on the market. We bought the car while they were still putting it together in the assembly plant before it ever got to the showroom. I, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Bruce Pearl had won the SEC at Tennessee. 
before. Well, and Hugh Freeze had beat Alabama twice, but that's not my point. I'm saying that we got in and got him this go-round before he had put himself back on the market, which I thought was what you just said to me, that he was happy at ESPN and wasn't really looking for a job, and we went in there and got him anyway. And I'm saying I think in some ways that's kind of similar here. Is that Hugh Freeze said, I'm happy at, at Liberty, and I'm not really looking for another job or anything. And then Auburn went in there and got him before – he had kind of gotten reestablished as a big name again. I strongly disagree. I think Hugh Freeze would have taken any Power Five job that called. I know, but we got in there yeah. first. That's what, I said. That's what I'm saying. I th- but again, they could Just have like we did with Bruce. Year. Bruce Pearl might have taken any Power Five job that called, too. You think Auburn University was like his dream job? Good God almighty, are you kidding me? Bruce Pearl didn't sit around ESPN going, man, if, if Auburn basketball would call, I could join the illustrious ranks of Cliff Ellis and Tommy Joe Eagles and – and freaking Tony Barbie. But, again, we'll see. I don't believe that comparison because I think Bruce Pearl was one of the top ten coaches in the country, and I don't think he freezes it. Wait, say that again? I think Bruce Pearl was the top ten coach even then, and yes. I don't think Hugh freezes. I don't think I don't think there's any demand for him other than from us. I again, you don't there's think a he's lot a, of, been, every all the baggage aside. You don't think he's a top coach with what he accomplished? Again, I watched a lot of Liberty football the last couple of years. I've seen it, okay? I'm yeah, not they were going, man, that guy, whoa, mind blown. I didn't see that, okay? I thought he took them from like 2 and 10 every year to 10 and 2 every year or something. They were a brand new program. They got a lot of money. They had seven years of Turner Gill and didn't do squat. They had like a year of Turner Gill. No. No. Again, they were like they were like a one double A team with Turner Gill. The best, again, the best win he had was the twenty twenty over Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. Who beats everybody in, else in four years? No, but I'm telling you, uh, uh, all the other, the he didn't beat any good Power Five schools during that time. Arkansas with Liberty. Yeah, I saw that game. And you're not. They're not. That doesn't count. I don't think that's. Ha- I don't think that team that Arkansas team is half as good as the Coastal Carolina team I was just talking about. I said that was his best win. Interesting. Okay. I'm just saying, I, this is where, like, the I don't want to have the Bruce Pearl comparison thing, because I think it is nuclear weapons and oranges. I hear it's, one of them is the, one of the best coaches in America, and one of them is in the bottom three or four coaches in our conference right now. That's really? Yes. Okay, you, that, would, you are breaking new news here at the very I, end of our show. I, again, I think I was pretty clear when I went through his record at the S- at again a weaker SEC West, a much weaker time in the SEC when he was there than it is now. When Alabama was winning the national now. championship every year, and yeah, and what LSU and all you know LSU and Auburn and you know Arkansas and everybody else was crap during that time period. Nine and seventeen against ranked teams at Ole Miss. What's Ole Miss against ranked teams without him? I'll look. I'll go look up Tiffins after this. <laughs> I just, Again, I'm just saying. It's one thing to say I don't like the guy for this judgment and all that. I've been with you 100 percent of the way in terms of at least understanding what you're saying. But here at the end of the show, you're suddenly rolling out this he sucks as a coach thing, and I'm just like, the hell did that come from? That you like took my legs out from under me. Be honest, John, with that because I, I've I've I, been con- you've seen me. 
for nigh unto two hours now, I have been content to let you disparage the man's morals and judgment, and that's totally fine. But he's a damn good football coach. One of the four worst in the conference. I have watched a lot of Hugh Freeze coach games in the last several years, and I'm just telling you, I give me Pittman tomorrow, okay? Give me Shane Beamer tomorrow. Done. Sold. Hey, Locked I was on Carol. the Shane Beamer. I was on the Beamer wagon a month ago, and people said, "No, that's stupid. Shut up." Ha ha. I was laughed off of Twitter when I said Shane Beamer a month ago when they beat. Uh, they beat Kentucky. They beat a number 13-ranked Kentucky. And I said, is anybody talking about Shane Beamer? No, 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 no. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh, oh. then they go and hammer Tennessee and Clemson, and suddenly, hey, look at me, People, these people say. I'm a genius. I think we should hire Shane Beamer. I'm like, where were you in October when I was saying that? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Again, I, I, there's a cost-benefit, right? All the other stuff I talked about is the cost side. You're eating all those negative things if you think he's that good. But I, again, I get I, comparatively, you could say at best he's Gus. Okay? You know, Alabama and Tennessee wanted to hire him in the last couple of years. Not as head coach. Tennessee did. No. Alabama wanted and, him as offensive coordinator. Tennessee. Yeah, okay, great. And he said no. And Alabama and Tennessee no the. So, uh, Sankey said no. Sankey said no. This time around, Sankey apparently said, well, we've screwed over Auburn every other way conceivably here at the SEC. We might as well, well let them have something. Throw them a bone. Throw them a freeze. Throw them a frozen bone. Show got interesting here in the last 10 minutes. We needed this Again, energy the whole I, first hour. <laughs> I'm happy to tweet out some, some stats and stuff from his time during <sighs> his time at Liberty. I think Again, the people, the times he won the SEC, the high school players don't know who he is. It was a long time ago. The game was completely different. Co- college offense is completely different than it was then. So I watched his games this year. I saw it, okay? I'm just telling you. This is my opinion. For the uh, No, this whole show is our opinion. For the, whole, for the audio version, I may just cut everything out <laughs> except the last 10 minutes of this and have this. I'm surprised our, our viewership actually went back in half. But now it should be going back up again. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the part of the show people actually like the, around the SEC. Let's take a trip. Let's take a trip. Let's take a trip in our flaming Fiero. If he's so great, why hasn't someone else hired him? Wrong! Because Greg Sankey wouldn't let them. There's there's other conferences. (laughs) That's an answer. That's your answer. You asked. Nobody in the Big 12 called. They did not call him. Nobody's like, man, that you freeze. We got to get that guy. Everybody that's called. The phone did not ring. Everybody in the SEC that called was told, I'm sorry, the number you've reached is no longer in service. Every He got one phone call and said yes. He got three phone calls at least. He got one that he was allowed to say yes. We're just going to have to disagree on that because there's like what happened and there's what you're saying, and they don't match up, so we'll have to just let that go. Um, week 13, Mississippi State beat Ole Miss, and I'm going to be honest – I'm pretty much rooting against Ole Miss for the rest of my life. I'm, I hope that they lose every – what's the thing that Jay Tate, Jay Tate has? 
I hate you. I hate your guts. I hope you lose everything. It sounds like Pat Dye when it says it, but yeah. I wish the worst for you. I had to get something like that. Um, that was an interesting uh, egg bowl. They came. They the thing that was amazing about that game was it was twenty four to like what fourteen or something. Yeah, twenty four to fourteen, and uh, and Ole Miss fumbled on their own end of the field, and Mississippi State had it on the one and fumbled it, and Ole Miss went ninety nine yards the other way and scored to make it twenty four twenty two. But they couldn't get the onside kick. They ran out of time. That was a very interesting. Um, <laughs> Tricky says, <laughs> go crazy, John Ringer. Go crazy. <laughs> um, I Missouri, warned Van before he got on the air. I'm just he did. No, he said incoming. Missouri beat Arkansas 20. <coughs> this show's running out of gas. Missouri beat Arkansas 29-27. I didn't see this one. I probably need to go back and watch the highlights. But Missouri's just been that kind of team this year. They play they terrible one week. Yep. They they gift wrap the freaking ball for Auburn one week and turn around and play Georgia tough the next. They beat Arkansas. You know, I, I just don't know what to make of Missouri. They've just been a total mystery. What's their final record? I don't even know. I, I don't, do they end up like six and six or something? Six miracle yeah. wins yeah. and six I of the worst losses in history? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that they like they beat Arkansas and probably like Texas A&M, LSU, and Alabama, and they lost to like Liberty and you know whoever. So yeah, they're six and six, three and five in the conference. Good gosh, give them an extension. Florida State beat Florida forty-five thirty-eight. Ah, I have nothing to say about that game. Um, uh, let me see. Georgia beat Georgia Tech badly. Whatever. South Carolina beat Clemson thirty-one to thirty. That was interesting because South Carolina has been on a roll. They've lost a couple of dumb ones, but they uh, but they they turned it on. Yeah, they're interesting. Uh, Kentucky beat Louisville. Louisville, nobody cares. It's a basketball city uh, area. Texas A&M beat LSU. I called this one a thousand percent. I tweeted out at the beginning of the game how funny it was going to be when that happened, and then it happened because and the reason why is because. Uh, I said all along that LSU is overrated. They are. Again, they should never have been. You're 100% correct. They should never have been the number five team in the country. No. They're a good team, a well-coached team who won the West because they got the Alabama at home and played at night, played a great game. That was a really good game, but they're not a great team. They're not a Unbelievable team, and then and again, this is the other part. Aiden scored thirty-eight. That's the most they've scored in like a year and a half. And a year, oh yeah, well, a chain was back and yeah. playing. He was like he wanted to make at, up for three games. Well, he played, and that receiver Muhammad played, who didn't play against us, and he had a great game. Oh, he had a great game. I was like, I'll be honest with you, you want to play the best, right? But I'm like, man, I'm glad we didn't play those guys. <laughs> like, I thought the same thing. I'm like, I'm so glad those two guys so... didn't play when we were in the state. Oh, I'd have hated to drive all the way down there and watch them destroy us. <laughs> um, yeah, Blake Freeman, by the way, mentions Michigan turned on the second half and whooped up on Ohio State. I don't know what to think about Ohio State now. Michigan is tough. They're pushing them around. Michigan's more tough, on, uh, more physical on both lines of scrimmage. Ohio State has a great passing game, but they're not the same thing. They're not right. the same. No, you know uh, they can't handle it in the trenches, and they can throw over the top and stuff. But Michigan's going to push them around. Mm-hmm. Things are going to have to change. Yeah, that that rivalry is shifted. Maybe we should have called Ryan Day. 
<laughs> Maybe Ryan Day's got a little uh, incentive to move. Dri- driven him to the border, if we call it. Yeah, him. yeah, That's interesting. You go, you can go eleven and one every year at Ohio State. You keep losing to Michigan. They're going to show you the. They're going to show you the state line in a hurry. Um, you know, it's funny. Good old, good old Bert at Illinois, my local team, came closer to beating Ohio, meet Michigan than Ohio State did. He, Bert did a good job this year. They played big boy football. Did. I, want, I wish I still had my, hey, Bert, let's go fishing, my, you know, hey, Beavis. Um, all right, let's see, what else? And then Tennessee beat Vanderbilt 56 to nothing. Tennessee basically was wanting to say we are not just Hendon Hooker. They were on a mission well, I, there because Vandy's been pretty good the last couple of weeks. And Tennessee had, had some bad games. They need to get up off the mat. And yes. Yeah, they, and I guess Vandy doesn't get to carry their little scepter and crown and cape anymore, but that was pretty fun while that was happening. Um uh, yeah, your girl says some cool things here. And then Ohio State AD is being forced out. Interesting. All right. And then we have uh, coming up LSU versus Georgia and Atlanta. Let me just say, Georgia has a <coughs> terrible habit. I apologize for my coughing. I'm going to keep muting it, muting it here. Um, Georgia has a terrible way of playing down to the competition, right? It is known that they do that. Surely, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU was looking ahead little bit, right? They knew they were playing a crap A&M team, got surprised by those good players coming back. I think LSU will play Georgia tougher than they played freaking A&M, but they still are going to get their tails kicked, aren't they? Yeah, I think Georgia's going to take it to them. Yeah, I do too. Uh, you got us a non-SEC game to watch, and then we're done. You got a couple. All right. Friday night, Southern Cal, Utah, Pac-12 game. Saturday noon, before the Georgia game, Kansas State TCU rematch in the Big 12 title game. That's going to be a great game. Last thought from you, and then I have a last thought. I'm sad the season's over. I love college football, and I love uh, the you know these last few weeks of Cadillac as coach been really fun. And uh, you know, I it, it, somebody said to you know it's the truth. Like there's a reason that we record the podcast on Monday, and it's sometimes because we need two days to calm down. And I got this news at you know four o'clock when I was in a meeting this afternoon. So, <laughs> right, you haven't had any cool uh, off time. I haven't processed through it, but I'm right. I feel the way I feel about it. So no, of course, no, I think it's good. I would much rather do the last twenty minutes of this show than just keep reading hate hate filled emails for an hour and a half. Honestly, so I think it worked out. Uh, and not, not that I begrudge anybody that's sending our emails. I just you know everybody that kind of feels the same way. After a while, it gets a little tedious. I just. You all had a right to be heard, and I was never going to say, John, just please skip some. I wasn't going to do that. But honestly, when everybody's kind of saying the same thing, you know what I'm saying? It just, yeah, you know. So I think they understand. I think they understand. We're trying to do a show. We're trying to be entertaining, and I think they understand. My last thought, it's great to be an Auburn Tiger. I love Auburn. I always will. It's also great to be an American. And, John, if you are if you folks out there are watching our show or listening to our show before 1 o'clock on Tuesday, Central Time, get to a TV the United States of America is playing the Iron Sheik's home team, Iran, number one. All right. If we win, we advance to the knockout phase of the World Cup. If we lose, we go home. We've got to beat Iran. But you want to beat Iran anyway. We played them one other time in the World Cup, 1998, with our crappiest crap team that finished last in that World Cup, and they lost to Iran 2-1. to one. We need some... Hostage taker smacking vengeance 
vengeance on them. Oh, and they're and they're rolling out this crap now. They're mad about something on the website, and they said the uh, uh, United States should be banned from the World Cup for ten years or something. Whatever, Iran. Whatever. Go try to steal somebody's nuclear weapons. But in the meantime, we're gonna beat your butts tomorrow, one o'clock. Tune in, Fox. I can't wait to see it. USA, USA. Baby Eagles gonna get it done. War, baby Eagles, John. Our time is up. Thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. Ring of it. War Baby Eagles. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.